Hello there. Welcome to my podcast, Princess and the Pea Survivor Edition, where we talk about healing from trauma, life's sometimes seemingly impossible tests, and how these ongoing tests impact our relationships with others, as well as the one we have with ourselves. Thanks for being here. My name is Faith Christine Bergevin. You can call me Faith. On today's podcast, we explore emotions, those pesky things. If we're feeling good, there's nothing we can't do. But if we're not, oh no, how do we cope? In keeping with this time of year, where there's less sunlight in most places and the January blahs can set in, we can sometimes fall into our own darkness. I call them the dark days. Listen for a mini masterclass on emotion, what they are, and what they need, and learn how this therapist meets her own inner darkness. What I did recently to face my own painful emotions, which led to a surprising new direction. When the dark days come, how to get through your tough emotions. I'm curious, how do you handle your dark days? I went through my own this past weekend Maybe it was the January blahs, maybe it was exhaustion, or maybe it was the ongoing pressure of knowing that website traffic for my primary business decreased well before Christmas, and I had no clue why. Or maybe it was caused by other personal matters preoccupying me. It's hard to say which of these issues prompted my response. All I know is I entered a dark space that was hard to shake. Part of my work as an emotion-focused therapist is to support clients in accessing their feelings. It may happen during the session, or it may be an exploration of their personal struggle dealing with painful emotions in between sessions. We talk, we tune in, we feel. It is how I support others. But you might wonder, what does the therapist do when she feels the darker, more painful emotions? Before I share how I dealt with them this past weekend, let's first discuss what emotions actually are. A lesson in being human. Lesson one, we have feelings. Wait, what? (laughs) As humans, we have emotions, a range of emotion. Most of us would like to believe that our task is to only feel good emotions, happiness, joy, pleasure, Of course, these emotions feel better. No one's denying that. But our range looks something like this. Cue graphic. And here I have an image of a feelings wheel for our listeners. And the feelings are divided into 12 different feelings, which I'll name quickly here. Proud, joyful, intrigued, trusting, loving, peaceful, ashamed, sad, surprised, afraid, disgusted, and angry. That's quite a range. Yes, the happy emotions, the joy, pride, the loving, curious, and peaceful ones, they are more pleasant. Of course they are. And it's because our emotional needs are being met. But we cannot deny the rest. We cannot deny our fear, disgust, anger, sadness, or shame. Those emotions happen when our emotional needs are not being met. 
These are part of our human experience, even if we try to cover them up. The more we deny these darker emotions, the more we deny our very humanity. The more we suppress our true nature in all its colorful range of expression, the more energy we expend as we push those emotions down. And this can deplete us over time. But whatever do we do with these painful emotions? Now, a mini masterclass on emotion. In graduate school, we discussed the theory of emotion. We debated what emotions are and discussed what emotions need. Number one, what is an emotion? An emotion is a response to something. Emotions always follow a cause. Now think about that for a moment. Emotions are a response. Something happened before that created an emotion in us. It may be so fast from cause, which is what happened, to response, the emotion, but there is some cause and effect. Can you see how emotions are logical? Wait, emotions have logic? Is that not a radical thought? Sometimes when someone expresses emotion, like a negative emotion, like anger or frustration or tears, they might be called irrational or overly emotional. And yes, to others who don't understand what the cause might be, the person might seemingly overreact because the cause may be complex and not as simple as A causes B. The reaction is not over, quote unquote. In fact, it is lingering beyond, and there can be several reasons for this. Here's a simple example. I bang my knee on the coffee table. I cry out in physical pain. Then I might shed tears because of the shock and resulting injury. So this is a physical example to demonstrate the cause, hitting my knee, and my response, the crying. Now, for a more complex example, an emotional example, or an example about emotion, if someone yells at me and I start crying, there's a cause and effect. Depending on my circumstances, if I have a history of abuse, I may be particularly sensitive. So while the yelling, which by the way is not a great communication method in any case, but it is one, the yelling is one action, it's the cause, the resulting emotions, the response, can come from this one instance or from long ago, or it can be a combination of the two, hence multiple causes. What this points to is that we don't always know what the cause is, especially in the moment. Sometimes there are layers, as in the yelling example above. Sometimes it takes time to reflect on the emotions coming up to really grasp what is emotion resulting from a current situation and what is from the past. And I'd argue that the older you are, the more layers there are in a response. Since we humans are complex, it stands to reason that the more experiences we have, the more layers we have. Which brings me to the second point. What do emotions need? Emotions have needs. They need to be expressed, to be validated and understood. And they need to be attached to the right thing. One of the fears clients sometimes have when starting therapy is that if they start crying, they will never stop. This fear can block the processing of grief and loss. 
It can be scary to be with our tears because it can feel like a deep cavern of pain has opened up and won't close. But being in the presence of someone who supports our expression of emotion allows us to feel validated and understood, which addresses the first two needs of emotion. And this is how we are witnessed. And that third reason is the foundation of the theory of emotion. The right emotion has to be attached to the right thing. Now this concept is more complex in practice as it can take time to figure out which emotion is attached to the right thing. And this is why therapy exists. But a simple example might help. For example, if you're mad at your boss and come home and snap at your partner, did your partner do anything to cause it? No, no, you're actually angry with your boss. So your anger should be directed in that. may not be smart to do so, but that's where your anger has been sourced. It's not with your partner. So perhaps you may be able to see how your anger is being directed at the wrong person. And this is the same with emotion. Our emotions need to be attached to the right thing in order to properly process them and release them. So Faith, what about all this crying? Does it ever stop? The odd thing is that if you allow emotional expression, if you allow your tears to come, yes, yes, it eventually does. Maybe not when you expect, maybe after more tears than you care to admit pour out, but it will. If you hang in there, if you find ways to nurture yourself in the process and don't pressure yourself and really be with your feelings, they do pass, they do flow. How I handled my dark days. For me, when the dark feelings came this past weekend, I began by tuning into myself. I tried to notice what was going on first. I got curious about my changed emotional experience. I knew I felt off. So I began with trying to separate the emotions I was feeling from the wiser me. I remembered something rather important. I remembered that I am not my feelings, even when they overpower me. It was a challenge, but in focusing on being curious, I asked several questions of myself. Am I feeling irritated or restless? This is where I named it. Where do I feel it in my body? And this is where I acknowledged the physical experience. Is it a heaviness? measuring the depth and weight of it. What thoughts are prompting these deep emotions? Noticing my mind's activity and seeing what central thoughts were coming back over and over that were fueling the emotions. And then at one point, I put my hand on my chest because that was where tightness and pain was centered. I tuned in. I allowed myself to feel into that tightness and breathe. This is where the tears came. Grief can take many forms, and there can be new grief layered over old grief. And sometimes we reach that vulnerable part where we need to feel it all, even if it's hard. Many self-care ideas suggest sunshine, exercise, eating right, and drinking lots of water, and talking to a close friend. And these are all good ideas, but sometimes they are not possible. 
Sometimes the feelings are so deep, you just have to feel them and not distract yourself or avoid them. Sometimes you can't get up. Sometimes exercise is impossible. Sometimes you've lost your close friend. But for me, the more I tuned into myself, the more I sorted out what I needed. I wrote in my journal, writing until no more words came. I let the tears come, let them all flow through me until it was over and I felt empty. I napped. Then I could get up and do something. And my choice was simply to go to a store just to get out, to be out. But when I got home, the tears returned later and again, and I let them come again and again. At some point they stopped and then I was able to find a way to take action. After we feel, then we can do. Sometimes we need help and that changes everything for us. Such is what occurred for me on Sunday. After processing my emotions, I asked for help and received guidance on my business. And then I was able to do what I needed to do. I spent five hours correcting oversights I didn't realize were there. Once I'd cleared my emotions out, I could now focus. What I learned was that a major feeder business that impacted the traffic into my own website launched a new website two months ago, and I missed it somehow. I missed the launch and the new features, such as all important links that directed traffic to my own website. And so my oversight meant I didn't reach the people who wanted what I offered, who needed what I was offering, since the appropriate links weren't set up. In learning from my mistake, I corrected all links, improved my message, and refocused my energy on reconnecting what had been disconnected. Basically, I fixed it. I don't think I could have fixed my mistake if I hadn't allowed myself to feel my emotions and allow them to pass through me. Because up till then, I was feeling rather locked and perhaps somewhat frozen. Much of my energy was being consumed by this emotional state. It was only after I processed my emotion that I could focus and do what needed to be done. Cultivating compassion for self. I made an error a pretty big one without even realizing it. Even so, looking at what I've missed these past couple of months could have sent me into a downward spiral of shame. After all, the cause was my own doing. But I circumvented that potential descent into self-blame with self-compassion, an attitude I have been cultivating for several years. I mean, what choice do I have? I can't go back. As well, when I investigated further, I saw that my oversight was due in part to the unfortunate timing of the Business Feeders website launch. Their launch happened to coincide with several concurrent issues in my personal life. The changes occurred at a time when I was still in a rather disorganized chaos from my recent move, with continual disruptions at the house. I also ended a relationship, and soon after that, I had that experience, that upsetting experience on the dance floor. In the aftermath of loss, a difficult move, and the trigger of my trauma, I missed something important. The email that informed me about the launch so that I could ensure traffic to my website was maintained or increased instead of the opposite. But I didn't see it. Such is the task when you are overwhelmed by life and are still healing from trauma. 
you sometimes miss things because you can be thrown off track. If too much is happening at once, you can miss things that are obvious to others. Your resourcing isn't as strong, even as you try to remain focused on moving on from a chaos you never thought you'd survive. And then the things you're not paying attention to because you assume all is working fall off, and you don't even know it. Put me in a room with someone's deep despair, and I know what to do. I am there, supporting, empathizing, understanding that deep, dark, internal space, a comprehension that provides comfort, and a witness for my clients. It makes me good at what I do. But some nebulous marketing mishap that comes out of nowhere? Nope, can't see it. But what I learned were two things. One, when something you've been counting on for years stops working, don't assume. Verify. Go back to the source and investigate. Sometimes a business changed major things that impacted you and you didn't even realize it. And two, process those dark emotions so you can release the energy and then take action by thinking clearly and executing a plan. Then, after a good sleep, there will be a new day. Following your inner guide. On Monday, I woke, and while it was technically gym day, I realized I needed some self-care and not the kind of pushing my physical limits, even though I hadn't gone in five days. I turned away from the shoulds and followed my inner guide. I was called to the ocean, a very particular walk in a very particular location. Even though it was a Monday morning, traditionally for most people, a morning of shoulds, I chose myself. I went for that walk. Despite the fact that most of the people walking along that stretch of ocean were retired folks who earned their relaxed Monday morning walk, I strode along in peace. I didn't feel I had to, to earn anything. The dark days were done. The sun on Monday was hit and miss, but it was a clear day with the water a bit choppy. Emotionally, I was clear. No more tears, pain, or darkness inside. I was satisfied with the work I'd done to repair my error and believed in a new day, a new direction. After my walk, I drove to one of my favorite coffee shops and parked outside. I looked out, then headed across the street for a door I'd never been through before. And inside, the people were warm and welcoming, even saying I looked relaxed and calm. <laughs> if only they knew my weekend. <laughs> and I asked a question. I had been wanting to ask for a while. I don't know if anything will come of it, if this is the direction I need to take in my work and within my community, but I began. I saw a fresh path. I left feeling excited and hopeful. Calm and hope returned means I've walked out of the dark days into something new, another option, something that may create light. What's important to note is just because I came out of it in flow, happy and calm and hopeful, doesn't mean tomorrow will be. There will be another dark day, hopefully not for a while. But what I've learned as a therapist and my own lived experience is this, riding your flow of emotion is the key to emotional health. And I'm talking in private, not lashing out in anger at others, to be clear. It is not being happy all the time, nor is it forcing a stagnant, neutral mood. It isn't being honest with yourself, 
even through the pain. Do I enjoy feeling that pain? No. But as I released the pain and longing, I held on to the faint wisp of the idea that it will pass, even if it felt far away. I held on while letting go. Such is life. Each day, we let go of something that holds us back while we simultaneously hold on to hope that something new will come. Paradoxically, it is our task as humans to do both. We can't always know what the right path is. We can make our choices and hope for the best. And sometimes when we feel we've hit a wall, all we can do is feel our grief, our panic, and let these feelings flow until they are gone. Then wake up and try to listen to our internal center. Sometimes the message is murky and we feel like we're floundering. And sometimes the message is clear and we walk through that new door. And you? I'd love to hear how you get through your dark days and what you notice when you emerge from them. Tell me what you think. And so it ends. I have four footnotes today. Um, the first one is the feeling wheel or the feelings wheel based on nonviolent communication by Marshall Rosenberg, PhD. So for those of you who are listening without the written essay in front of you, um, if you go, if you have a chance and can go to um, my Substack and look up this essay, you'll see the full feelings wheel and um, it's quite involved and um, it shows the range of human emotion and Sometimes we limit ourselves. We think, oh, I'm only allowed to be this way. And, and yeah, we don't, you know, talk about our deep, dark feelings with just, you know, anyone, right? We have to, you know, get along in society and, and be polite and all those things. But we can't deny that we have emotions, that we have feelings, and, um, and they're really divided into two categories. And I love how he puts it. He says, there's feelings when your needs are being met and there's feelings when your needs are not being met. And I think that's a really beautiful way of just looking at what, where these emotions are sourced. I mean, yes, there's all sorts of detail around that, but are your needs being met? If they are, then you're going to feel those more pleasant emotions. If your needs are not being met, then you're going to feel those emotions that, you know, aren't, aren't as pleasant. My second footnote is um, basically giving credit to uh, the theory of emotion that I learned in my theory, um, my theories course when I was a graduate student and I credit Dr. Tim Black. And the, these are my classroom notes on emotion, which really blew my mind when I was a graduate student and quite loved this concept around emotion. I find it really helps me in my own personal life and it also helps me when I work with clients. My third footnote is um, talking about this idea that emotions are, are complex and the causes of them are complex. It's not just A plus B, right? Or A leads to B, right? Like what we talk about, that you know something happens and we have an emotional response. That things can be very complex because um, the emotion we're having may not be related to what just happened. It could be something that happened many, many years ago. 
And one time I was talking with a counselor who I was working with, and we were having this discussion that, you know, when we're young, maybe our emotions are a little simpler because it's very, you know, you take away a child's toy, they're crying because the toy has been taken away. So it's very simple, right? But, you know, as you get older and you have a lot of experiences, maybe your heart's been broken or, you know, you've had certain losses, you know, by the time, you know, you've reached 30s and 40s and beyond 50s, you know, a lot of things have happened. And so things are more complex. And so what we were talking about is that, you know, it's just the way it's like the older we are, the more water's under the bridge and the more complex it is. And so it's really important to be compassionate with ourselves as we're trying to sort out, you know, what are these emotions that, you know, what are the needs that are not being met that are causing these painful emotions? And my fourth footnote really just refers to the idea that, you know, a lot of times we're processing these emotions alone. Yes, you can do that with a counselor that you've built trust with, that you feel good with. You can express your emotions there. That's an appropriate place with a close friend or a partner or a spouse, someone you feel emotionally safe with. Um, that's definitely a way where you can receive support. Um, but sometimes we do need to do it ourselves. We need to be alone with our own feelings and sort out what is going on for us. Because as I say in the essay, it's not about, you know, lashing out in anger and, you know, getting back at the other person because that's not really tuning into who we are. We can be angry at someone, but, you know, without thinking it through or, or allowing ourselves to calm down, we can't really come from a place of, of connection and trying to get our emotional needs met. And so I, I think it's really important that there is a time and place for communication. And so ends the footnotes. Um, if you would like to learn more about my work, please visit my Substack publication, Princess and the Pea Survivor Edition. Consider becoming a subscriber because this is a reader-supported podcast. A subscription will give you access to the latest articles on healing from trauma and how to deal with life's tests, and it'll be delivered straight to your inbox. You'll also have access to my archive where I discuss any number of different um, issues we deal with as humans and issues that survivors of trauma uh, deal with as well. So your support means I can continue to research, write, and produce this work. Thank you for listening today. Be well.